Blog Talk Radio. Okay, praise God. We got advantage. Jaden Taylor's got a powerful for you. All this sinning in the church, fornicating, acting like the world, being like the world, and yet you want Jesus to heal you. Evangelist Janice Taylor, you got the mic for one hour and 55, 59 minutes. You got it. All right, Apostle. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, church. Uh, praise God for everybody that's tuned in tonight. We do thank you for joining with us tonight. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor coming to you live from Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry International. Uh, our web address is www.wallsoffiredeliverancemin.com, and you can reach us uh, by the Internet uh, that way. You can also reach us by email at jet245 at msn.com. Glory be to God. If you still use snail mail, you can write to us. P.O. Box 1148, Walkertown, North Carolina, 27105. Glory be to God. I'd like to invite each and every one of you that are listening in tonight to join us on our prayer line, the sweet hour of prayer. Jesus told his disciples, can you not pray with me for one hour? Glory be to God. And we pray Monday through Saturday at 12 noon for one hour on Eastern Standard Time and on Sunday night at 8 p.m. for one hour Eastern Standard Time. The number to the prayer line is 425-436-333. And the code, the access code is 716-5050, followed by the pound sign. We invite you to join us for prayer. We are praying, we are seeing miracles, we are experiencing the power of God, we are experiencing his love on the prayer line. God is moving on this prayer line. People call in from all over the world, and we are so thankful to God because uh, he said the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. So we want to invite you to join us for the sweet hour of prayer. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. If you would like to donate to this ministry, you can donate to us using Zelle, that's Z-E-L-L-E, or PayPal using the email address J-E-T-245 at MSN.com. Now, tonight we do have a very powerful topic. Our topic tonight is the pink elephant in the room. And I know some of you are saying, well, what do she mean by that? Uh, uh, what is a pink elephant? I'm going to tell you what it is. A pink elephant is really, it's a metaphor, but it's when you see something in the room that you pretend is not there. Glory be to God. So we're going to deal with sexual sin in the church. In the room is the sexual sin that's in the church, in the body of Christ, and people are preaching over it, people are shouting over it, people are dancing over it, people singing in the choir on top of it, and everybody's trying to pretend they have their head in the sand trying to pretend that they do not see it. But it is there, and I want to say one other thing about it is that our Father is not pleased. Glory be to God. These things should not be named among us. Sexual sin 
in the house of God amongst believers. Glory be to God. So let's go now quickly to the word of God so we can get into uh, this lesson for tonight. Those of you that have your Bibles, turn with me to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start there, and then we'll keep on moving as the Spirit of the Lord leads us. All right. So I'm going to start at the first verse, and it reads, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned, glory be to God, that he that have done this deed might be taken away from you. For I verily, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that have done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together and in and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, glory be to God, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old lump, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are leavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed. And again, our topic tonight is the pink elephant in the room. And we are talking about sexual sin in the church. Father, it's in the name of Jesus. We come to you as humble as we know how. We come, O oh God, listening to your voice. We need you to speak to your people on tonight. We ask you, O oh God, to shine the light. Shine the light on this topic tonight, God. Shine the light on your word. Shine the light in our hearts. Expose darkness. Expose wickedness. Expose unrighteousness. Expose evil in the church, O oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus. God, we know that you are God and you are great and mighty and you are merciful. But we do not want to presume upon the grace and mercy of God. I pray that you would give your people ears to hear tonight what the Spirit is saying to the church. I pray that your people, oh God, would divinely bring themselves in alignment with your word. God, this is not my word. This is your holy word. And I pray that the people of God would come into divine alignment with your word. God, if any is offended tonight, they are not offended with me. They are offended with you because you wrote this in the name of Jesus. God, if any is guilty tonight, I pray, oh God, for the convicting power of the Holy Ghost 
oh God, to bring that conviction upon them, oh God, that they may repent in the name of Jesus while there is still time. God, have your way on this broadcast tonight. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Use me for your namesake and your glory. I decrease now so that you can increase. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you. Hallelujah. And this we pray in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory be to God. So we want to talk about the pink elephant in the womb. Hallelujah. And as I explained before uh, we really got started, that the pink elephant is something that we see in the room, but we pretend that it's not there. We put our heads in the sand and try to pretend that it's not there. So we're talking about sexual sin, sexual sin in the body of Christ, sexual sin in the church. I want to uh, uh, expound to you that cause of sexual sin that's in the church, uh, we're not seeing the power of God. We're not seeing the manifestation and the demonstration of God's mighty power because he hates sexual sin. So I want to deal with this tonight as the Apostle Paul dealt with this in a biblical and godly manner. Now, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, and he said it had been reported commonly that there was fornication in this church. And he said to them that it was so bad that he was talking to Jews, but he said that it was so bad that this type of behavior was not even once mentioned among Gentiles. And we know that Gentiles were heathen. Glory be to God. And Paul said that this particular individual had had his father's wife. He didn't just have sex with her. He had literally taken her. Glory be to God. And um, the apostle Paul, being the apostle of of these churches that he had established, he was not present when uh, this thing happened. He was not in Corinth. But he heard about it, glory be to God. And he wrote this letter back to the Corinthian church. And he told them that they were proud about this thing. And they should have been mourning over this thing. You know, it amazes me how we see so much sin, sexual sin particularly, in our churches today. And everybody is applauding it. We applaud the young girl that's pregnant and out of wedlock. And now the churches are starting to have baby showers for them like they do for the married wife. The devil is a lie. These things ought not be so. We applaud when a pregnant young lady marches across the stage and picks up her diploma as if she has done some great thing. That is not a great thing. It's a, actually a shameful thing. Not, it's a, a, a graduating is not a bad thing at all. But because she had gotten pregnant out of wedlock, we are not to applaud that. She hasn't done anything great. 
but yet the church is clapping, everybody's clapping, everybody's applauding them. And Paul said that they had done this uh, with this young man. Instead of them mourning, they were puffed up. Uh, and, and the one that had done this thing should have been taken away from them. Now, what was Paul saying? Paul also went on to say, let me read verse 3 so I can expound a little bit. He also went on to say that, for I verily, as absent in body but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that have so done this deed. So Paul being the apostle over these churches because he had established them, he had actually set these churches up and established them. He was a church planner, and he was their apostle. Glory be to God. And uh, what Paul was saying was that he was not present uh, in Corinth when this thing happened, but he said as the presiding apostle that the person that had been uh, accused of this was, it was sort of like they were being arranged, hallelujah. And uh, this, 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 this needed to come before the church, the congregation. But Paul said rather than them mourning, they were proud. They were puffed up over it. And Paul was saying that uh, after the evidence had been heard and the accused had given his defense, Paul said that the offense, should be condemned, and uh, the offender should have been excommunicated, put out the church. Now, I know we don't hear about that anymore, but when I was coming up, uh, that's what happened. They brought you before the church. That's when they were following the Bible. Now, uh, a lot of churches are not following the Bible. They're doing their own thing. But when sin uh, uh, was found in the congregation, especially sexual sin, the individuals, because it takes two, were brought before the church. And um, the church would uh, listen to the accusation, give the accused uh, an opportunity to make their offense, and then the congregation judged them. But this congregation did not judge them. This congregation uh, was proud and actually applauded them. So Paul was saying that after the evidence had been heard, then uh, 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 they were supposed to have been excommunicated. But Paul said, though he was not present, he said he judged it himself. Glory be to God. So for all you people that's running around here talking about you can't judge me, you are out of order because the church can judge you and the apostle can judge you. Glory be to God. And the word of God already has judged you. Glory be to God. So Paul pronounced the judgment, and Paul said that this person uh, should be condemned, this offense should be condemned, and the offender should be excommunicated. Why? And I'm getting to that verse. He said, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So Paul was saying that when the church should have excommunicated this uh, uh, man and and chastised him, that they had not done their uh, uh, duty in doing so. But Paul said, don't you know that you, if you leave them in the church, that a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Now, leaven represented sin. And so if you leave a little bit of sin in the church, the whole church will end up uh, being in sin because that's how sin is. So Paul was saying that the, the one who did this should be excommunicated uh, from the church. Glory be to God. And then he goes on to say that the man should have been chastised. And he went on to say that uh, for the destruction of his uh, flesh, but he was not talking about killing this man. He was talking about the destruction of his appetite, his sinful appetite, that the spirit might be saved because God did not come uh, uh, to kill and to destroy. He came so that we might have life. That's the devil's job, to steal, kill, and to destroy. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So Paul has already judged it because this was gross immorality. And Paul said that this man who, uh, the offender, I want to keep saying that word because it is an offense. And he said that he should be excommunicated and chastised. So Paul uh, eventually does have his restoration in view, but he said that he said that his spirit uh, might be uh, saved in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he said, put such a one out of the church. Now, they used to bring uh, 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 people that were caught in sexual sin uh, before the church. The church would uh, pronounce a judgment on them after listening to both sides. And then uh, uh, whatever the church said, that was it. And uh, 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 But Paul, being the apostle, said that this church, Corinthian church, had not done this. He said that even though I wasn't there, I already have judged this thing. Glory be to God. And he went on to say uh, about the leaven, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, no sin is an isolated event. No man sins unto himself. If he is a part of the body of Christ, when he sins, it's going to affect the entire body of Christ. Glory be to God. Uh, just as it, the sin with Achan, and we're going to go there in one minute. We're going to go to Joshua chapter 7 and talk about how Achan's sin had, uh, in fact, in, impacted his whole family and the nation of Israel. Glory be to God. So Paul said that the sin had to be purged or else it would contaminate 
the whole lump. So the whole Corinthian church would be contaminated if they allowed this offender and this offense to stay amongst them. And see, uh, too many times we try to uh, make up our own uh, rules. Well, that's my cousin, and that's uh, brother so-and-so, and that's sister so-and-so. You don't know. They 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 built the uh, 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 first, they laid the first brick in this church. It does not matter who they are because God is no respecter of persons. I don't care how long they've been in the church. It might be in the bishop. The bishop needs to be sat down. He doesn't need to be laying hands on anyone. And if the church or the presiding apostle over that region decides that he should be excommunicated, then so be it. Because we have to think of how is this going to impact the rest of the body of Christ. I remember when I was young in the Lord, and we used to go to our regional council meetings every uh, three months. And uh, we had a particular bishop. I tell you, he could preach the paint off the walls. I would shout while the man was preaching because his preaching was so powerful. And I loved uh, Bishop Bowers. I loved him with all my heart. He was uh, he was a mighty man of God. But um, one time we went to the council and uh, Bishop Bowers was not there. And uh, they made an announcement, although they didn't want to tell us everything, they just made an announcement um, to pray for Bishop Bowers. Now, I do want to back up before I go any further. Uh, the council was hard on the young women. They told us not to wear red lipstick, and um, they told us to tone our makeup down, and they told us, uh, 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 you know, make sure that our attire was appropriate. And um, all of that, in my opinion, was appropriate, especially for young women in the body of Christ. But one thing happened that disturbed me to no end. Um, when we finally got the news of what happened to Bishop Bowers, uh, it, was, it was told to us that Bishop Bowers had, gotten, had fallen into sexual sin. Now, I was a young woman in the Lord. He had gotten his secretary pregnant, and he had a wife. So he got involved in adultery. Now, as a young convert in the Lord, that grieved me. That grieved me to no end because the apostle that I loved so dearly had fallen into sexual sin. And had not the Lord had his hands on me, that could have shaken me to the point that I fell away from the body of Christ because that uh, 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 could have uh, discouraged me. That could have discouraged me that someone that I looked up to, someone who preached the raw, unadulterated gospel had fallen into sexual sin, but God had me, and that's the only reason why I didn't fall. But I was grieved in my spirit. I was heartbroken. And um, 
I, I was just so disappointed. I was so disappointed. How could this be? You told us young women not to wear the red lipstick. You told us to tone our makeup down. You told us all these things, glory be to God, that we should live holy and be ye holy, and yet you, Bishop, was not living holy. That, that, really, that really hurt me. That really hurt me. And I tell you something else. It taught me something. It taught me to put not my confidence in me. That's exactly what it taught me. It could have hardened my heart. It could have uh, 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 ended up uh, uh, causing me to be bitter, but it did not. I, I love the Lord, and I, 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 I'm going to serve God till I die. And, and um, I'm sorry for what happened to the bishop. We, I never knew what became of him after that, but I do know he was not our bishop anymore. And I believe the council came together, and um, I don't know if they sent him somewhere else or what, but I know he was not our bishop over our region anymore. We got a, a new bishop. But the impact that that had on me mentally, I cannot tell you how hurt I was by what happened to Bishop Bowers and by what he did. So I'm saying all this to say that no man is an island. No man sins unto himself. See, he did not think, Bishop Bowers did not think how that was going to affect us, how that was going to affect our region. He didn't even probably think that that was going to affect me, somebody who hadn't been saved long. But it did, and it hurt me to my heart. Glory be to God. And so Paul says that a little leaven leavens the whole lump, and it, the sin had to be purged. It had to be put out because you cannot leave this unattended. You cannot leave this uh, 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 in the church. You cannot because uh, this thing will contaminate the body of Christ. It will be like a cancer. It will spread throughout the body of Christ. And before you know it, everybody would have been in sexual sin. And um, I just thank God that he allowed me to see that, but uh, 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 I didn't have to experience that. Glory be to God. God had his hand on me. Glory be to God. Now, I want to say uh, about, uh, let's go to Joshua, Joshua chapter 7. Let's talk about Achan's sin. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We're going to look at it. In um, Joshua chapter 7, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, we all know the story about Achan, but I'm going to read it because I, I feel like um, if I don't read the scripture, people will, will attribute what I'm saying to uh, just being my opinion. But I, it, this is not my opinion. This is the word of God, so I'm going to read the scripture. I'm very uh, heavy on when it comes to the scripture. It says, we're starting at the first verse. It says, but the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing 
And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from the gate even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon the face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and did put dust upon their heads. That's a symbol of mourning. See, we need to mourn over sin in the church. But what we're seeing today is that when we see sin in the church, we we laugh about it. We you know, we 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 tip our hats to them as if this is not going to have an impact on the entire body of believers. And so Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou brought all these people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Which of God we have been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? The Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore, Life thou upon thy faith. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Israel have sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed things, and have also stolen and dissembled, and also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I with you any more. Neither will I be with you any more, except ye destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves, and say, uh, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among thee. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, and the household which the Lord shall take, shall come by man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire. He and all that he hath 
because he have transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he have wrought folly in Israel. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel together by tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarites, and he brought the family of the Zarites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said, Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonianish garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent. So God had told the children of Israel to go up against this town and he told them, he gave them specific instructions. He told them not to take any of the spoils. And he said, don't leave any of the people alive. He said, just go and destroy the town. Go and destroy this city. And Achan was a part of this. So Achan went, and while all the battle was going on, Achan saw some stuff that he wanted. He took a goodly Babylonianish garment. So it must have been a very nice garment. He saw that and he took it. He took 200 shekels of silver. And then he took a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. So he intended to prosper off of this thing. And he hid it. He took it and he hid it in his tent, under the ground, in his tent. And he put a cloth over it and hid it. But how many of us know that God, the all-seeing eye of God, knows everything? He's omnipresent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipotent. He's got all power. And so when they should have won this battle, this should have been easy picking, they lost it. And Joshua went back to the Lord. He said, Lord, what happened? How did we lose this battle? Joshua was weeping, and he was saying that, you know, the nations around them was going to uh, reproach the name of the Lord. And the Lord said, get up from there. He said, don't even talk to me about this. Because somebody in your camp has sinned against the Lord. They've disobeyed God. And disobedience will always bring defeat. I'm going to say that again. Disobeying God will always bring defeat. It's either going to bring it in your life, somebody in your family's life, even somebody in your house. And that's what happened. So God told him that um, the trespass 
had taken place. God didn't tell him who it was, but he told Joshua what to do and how he would find out who it was. So Joshua did what the Lord said, and sure enough, Achan was exposed. Now, when Achan was exposed, Joshua confronted him. He said, confess, man, confess what you have done. And Achan confessed. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. He said, I saw some stuff that I wanted, and I took it. I operated in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I saw it. I lusted for it because I wanted it, and I took it. And then he did worse. He hid it. Where can you hide something from God? That's what I want to know. So Joshua said, okay, so you did this thing. And he said, I coveted them and I took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver is under it. So Joshua sent some people to his tent. He said, go to his tent and, 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 and see if this is true. And it was there just like he said. And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua, verse 24, and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his son, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. You see, Joshua knew that a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. Achan thought that he had sinned against the Lord and that he had sinned unto himself. But that was not so. Achan sinned against the Lord. He sinned against his family. He sinned against the tribe that he was a part of, the tribe of Judah, and he sinned against the nation of Israel. He brought reproach, and it cost him his life. It cost his children, his family. It cost his brothers, his sisters. It cost his sons and his daughters. It cost them all their life, everything that he had. It had to be burned with fire. And they brought them into the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why hast thou troubled us? Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire. After they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones until this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor, meaning the Valley of Trouble. So Achan got his whole family killed, all because of his greed, 
is sin. That is why the scripture says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And Paul went on to say in verse 7, he told them, he said, purge out old leaven that ye might be a new lump as ye are leavened for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Paul went on to say that their glorying was not good. He said, purge out. Cut it out. It's just like cancer. When you have cancer you and the doctor does surgery, I have never in my life heard a person say to the doctor, leave this little bit. No, the doctor's objective and yours as well as mine, is to get it all out. Glory be to God. You don't want one little bit of that cancer left. And when you come through the surgery, the first thing you ask the doctor is, did you get it all? Why? Because you know one little cancer cell left in your body will replicate itself, and then it will begin to spread and before you know it, it will metastasize throughout your body. Cancer is deadly. Sin is deadly. That is why Paul said, purge out the whole lump. Purge it out. It's got to go. We can't leave it in here. It's just like roaches. If you've got roaches, you call the exterminator, and you tell the exterminator, I want you to get these roaches out of here. I have never met a person who ever said, believe this one. He's a good roach. I like him. Nobody wants to leave a roach in their house because you and I both know that in that sack that's in them, if, if there is one roach left in your house, that sack contains over 1,000 eggs, enough to repopulate your whole house. So it will do you no good to call the exterminator if you're going to leave one roach in your house. You want them all out. And that is what Achan experienced. His whole family got wiped out because he sinned. Now, if Achan had known that this was going to happen, I wonder if Achan would have done this. But Achan did not consider what it was going to cost him. He did not consider that it would cost him his life. He did not consider that it would cost him his family's life. He did not consider that it would cost him his animals. He did not consider that his whole family would be wiped out. All that he knows is that he saw, he saw something, glory be to God, and he wanted it, and therefore he went after it. He said, I saw a Babylonianish, a goodly Babylonianish garment. I saw 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold of 50 shekels. The Bible tells us, no man can say when he is tempted that he is tempted of God. Every man when he is tempted is drawn away of his own lust. 
See, that's just how the devil is. The devil don't show you the end of a thing. If Achan had known what it was going to cost him, the lives of his whole family, I wonder would he have still committed this trespass. The devil deceived him. So Paul is saying, purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump. In other words, this person who has committed this offense must be put out of the church because this is a cancer among us. We cannot allow this. We, got, we can't ignore it. See, people put their head in the sand and pretend that the pink elephant is not in the room. The pink elephant is in the choir. The pink elephant is in the usher board. The pink elephant is on the deacon board. The pink elephant is in the pulpit. Sexual sin in God's house when it should not be once named among us. Glory be to God. It should not be once named among us. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and starting at verse 9 and see what it says. Again, Paul is speaking. He said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know how people think that they can be in sexual sin in the body of Christ and they're going to heaven anyhow. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what the new saying is because uh, people like to pretend that they don't know what's going on. These people never come out and say, this is my fornicating friend. That's not how they introduce them. You know what they say? This is my friend. This is my friend. That's what they say. Most of the time the women want to introduce this friend to uh, the saints of God. I was at a graduation this weekend, and um, the woman that spoke at the graduation, she said uh, she introduced her friend. And I said to myself, wow. Now, if he wasn't somebody significant to her, while she was making a graduation speech, she wouldn't have introduced him. And then you hear it at funerals, uh, a longtime friend and uh, 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 the better half, but they're not married. People, I mean, you, you really much, you, you pr- they pretty much condemn themselves. And they get up at these funerals and say, uh, my friend of 46 years, Y'all been fornicating all these years? He, he, y'all didn't never get married? You see what I'm saying? It's a pink elephant in the room because everybody try to pretend that they don't know what that means. When you see that on these funeral programs. Oh, I've seen them on so many of them. One woman, 26 years. A companion of 26 years, but they weren't married. They were just fornicating friends. 
in the body of Christ, serving in the usher board, serving in the church, and nobody in the church dealt with it. And we wonder why the power of God is not manifesting in our churches. Listen to what God said to Achan. I want to I, I want to share this with you. This is what God said to Achan. God told he actually told this to Joshua. He told Joshua that if this thing was not corrected, God said he was going to depart from them. He said he wasn't going to be among them. He said he wouldn't be among them. He said, Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken up the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also. And so he went to great length. He stole it, and then he, he took it apart and hid it down in the ground under his tent. He said, therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. He said, that's why you can't stand before your enemies, because of sexual sin in the church. And then he went on to say that because they were accursed, neither will I be with you anymore. God said, I'm going to depart from you unless you get this thing straight. So people say, well, we're in the New Testament now. Thank God for grace and mercy. His compassion, they fail not. They are new every morning. But is that to mean that we are to presume upon the grace and mercy of God? God forbid. The pastors have a responsibility, a spiritual responsibility to the body of Christ and to God first and foremost to deal with these things. Homosexuality in the church. And we try to we try to justify where we don't have he's the only musician we got. If we don't have him, we won't have no music. Then play tracks. Because if you have a homosexual over the choir, God is not receiving it anyway. When they stand up to sing, God is not receiving it. Why? Because they're in the camp. The pink elephant is in the room, and the people are trying to say, well, I didn't really see him do that, so I don't know if, he, if he's like that or not. You don't have to see it. You know it by the Spirit. If you got the Holy Ghost, you do. You know it by the spirit. My spirit tell me when something ain't right. Glory be to God. So why are we allowing this to stay in our churches and expecting God to show up in our services? He will not. He will not. I grew up in a church. As a young girl, I knew there was something wrong with this lady. The woman was a lesbian. She was a lesbian. She wore her hair cut like a man. And this was before all of this uh, 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 gay pride. This was long before all of this came out. 
Come to find out, she was going with a woman. She was the head. This woman was the head usher in the church. Her name was Katrina. She walked like a man. She talked like a man. She looked like a man. She shaved her hair like a man. She acted like a man. But she had a leading position in the church. She was head of the usher board. Come to find out she was going with a woman on the choir. Everybody knew what Katrina was, but nobody talked about it. The pink elephant was in the room, and everybody had their head in the sand. I'm told that woman is still ushering to this day. Somebody's going to have to give an account for that. God's definitely going to hold the leadership of that church responsible. Another young man, he was a homosexual. He wore wigs like a woman, long wigs like a woman. The pastor said that he asked him, was he gay? And he denied it. So he left it alone. But I don't believe that's enough. I believe that the Spirit of the Lord told the pastor. If he had to ask him, then he knew. The pink elephant was in the room. Either you're going to cast it out, you're going to cast those unclean spirits out, or you're going to cast the individual out. Paul said, Put such a one out the church. But they don't do that today. They don't do that because these people are good tithe payers. They hold prominent positions in the community, and therefore they hold prominent positions in the church. And I'm going to say this, and I know this is going to make a whole lot of people mad, but I really don't care because I'm going to call an ace an ace and a spade a spade because I have to answer to God. Most of these people are Freemasons and in the Eastern Stars, most of them. And so they scratch each other's back. You don't call out my sins and I won't call out yours. And it runs from the pulpit all the way down to the door. People are appointed to positions in the church because they are members of the lodge. You know he's married. You know he's born with this woman over here, but I ain't going to mess with that because that's deacon so-and-so. How is it that he is even a deacon? He's in sin. He's in known sin. I attended a church. And a man and a woman were both, uh, he was an usher on the door, greeting people as they came in. And I knew I knew him from somewhere. And I just couldn't put my finger on him. And he was with this woman. And they had a baby. And everybody thought they were a cute couple. But I knew, I knew the man from somewhere. And my cousin 
came to my church one time, and she said, that's so-and-so. She knew him very well, and that's where I had met him at. I met him through my cousin. He was a married man, and he was over here in this church serving on the usher board, him and this woman, like they were married, and they were not married to each other. He was married to somebody else. And she became one of the announcers for the church. I said, my God. And they over here serving in the church. I can't say they were serving the Lord because they was living in sin. He had a wife across town. But see, in these big churches, they don't want nobody to know nothing about them. They say, I don't want people all up in my business. But somebody knew him. I knew I knew him from somewhere. I couldn't think of where it was. I knew him because he had been my nephew's recruiter. And they called him Sarge. I knew I knew the man from somewhere. He had been to my cousin's house many times. He was his recruiter. So we knew his wife. And we knew this woman that he was with over in this church was not his wife. And they were in that church operating, and they were living in sin. They were in adultery. That's what I'm talking about, the pink elephant in the room. I'm certain that I wasn't the only one that knew him. There were others in that church that knew that man and knew that he had a wife somewhere. But he was over there in that church with another woman. His wife didn't belong. She didn't go to this church. Him and this other woman, they came to church like husband and wife every Sunday. You see, there's no fear of God. How can you come in the house of God with this woman that's not your wife and not be trembling in your boots? They felt like nobody knew him. He had a prominent position. He was on the usher board. She began to make the uh, church's announcement. They seemed like the perfect couple. They weren't even married. Aiken seemed like he had committed the perfect crime. He saw this stuff. He got it. He stole it, and he hid it but he couldn't hide it from God. He could not hide it from God. So let's go back, back to 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I didn't write this. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, and this was written by the inspiration, divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said, be not deceived, no fornicator, no idolater, no adulterer, no homosexual, 
nor abusers of themselves with mankind, that sodomite, no thief, nor covetous, nor drunkard, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So it behooves us, those who are preachers and ministers and pastors and apostles and evangelists and teachers of the word, it behooves us to preach the word in season, preach the word out of season, tell them the truth. You might hurt their feelings, but you just might save their souls. Tell them the truth. Because the Bible says those that do such things, they are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And so if this musician, this homosexual musician, is the only musician we can get, let's just not have a musician. We'll wait on God. We'll play track until God send us a Holy Ghost spirit-filled musician. Can I tell you why? Because the Bible says when Saul had an evil spirit in him, David played on his harp and drove the evil spirit out of Saul. He calmed him and soothed him. And the evil spirit would be driven out. And the same way you can play an evil spirit out, you can play one in. So if the musician is not living holy, he's contaminating the whole church. He's contaminating the entire church with the music that he's playing. But we don't believe that because we don't believe in spirits and demons. and we, we, we don't believe that. We believe everybody's the same. It's because we have not had any teaching on these things. Paul went on to say, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. You cannot have. It's just like, I'm going to give you an example. You cannot put a pedophile in the children's ministry. Who in their right mind would do that? Common sense would just say, no, we we can't put you in the children's ministry. So if we can't put a pedophile in the children's ministry, why would you put a homosexual over the worship to pollute the worship and to contaminate the church? Why? Why don't we see that this is one and the same? You see, Achan sinned about judgment and defeat upon Israel as a nation because no man is an island. Romans 6 and 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Achan's whole family died because of his selfishness and his greed. Sin has what is called a ripple effect. It affects whole families and nations. Every time a father leaves his wife, his children suffer. Every time. 
It affects families. It affects nations. And God judges nations. He judges individuals, but their sins have an impact upon the nation. Right now, abortion is having an impact upon this nation. Aching sin brought trouble to Israel. So you got to go get what you got hidden in your tent. Bring it out. Bring it to God. Confess it. And repent of it. First John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He said, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Achan didn't confess his sin until Joshua confronted him. The Bible tells us that he hid. He hid what he had stolen. That reminds me of Adam and Eve. They hid. They hid themselves. After they second after they had sinned by eating the forbidden fruit, and they realized they were naked. You see, they were covered in the glory of God before. They didn't know they were naked. But when the glory departed from them and they saw their nakedness, they went and hid. As if they could hide from God, the creator of heaven and earth. You can't hide from God. Glory be to God in the highest. We got to deal with this pink elephant in the room. Fornication is the only sin that you commit in your body against your body. Now, the word fornication means to engage in premarital or extramarital sex before or outside of marriage. And that is a sin in God's sight. It is a sin. It is a sin. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 14 and verse number 24. Glory be to God in the heart. Listen at this. And there were also sodomites in the land, and they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. We're talking about cult prostitution, which involved both sexes, was being carried on at the Canaanite religious shrine. These debased practices became a stumbling block to Israel's spiritual experience they would contribute to God's judgment of Judah. You see, Achan brought the wrath of God upon his family. His sin brought the wrath of God upon his family, his whole family. It also brought judgment 
upon the nation of Israel. This is why they lost the battle, a battle that they should have been able to win hands down. They lost this battle. Why? Because there was sin in the camp. Now I want to ask the question, how many battles have we forfeited because of sin being in the camp? I know you can't answer that question, but I want to, it's a rhetorical question. I want you to think about it. I want you to sit yourself down and ponder this a little bit and say to yourself, say, self, how many spiritual battles have I lost because of unconfessed and unrepented sin that was in my life? That's something to think about, that you are responsible for the battle that was lost. Because we didn't come clean with God. Glory be to God in the heart. The pink elephant in the room, we got to deal with it. We know it's in the church, and it ain't in just the young people. The young people ain't the only ones having sexual sin. You got some older people. They in sexual sin, too. They in sexual sin. They in all sorts of sexual immorality. And we wonder why we can't experience a move of God in our churches. Yeah, we shouting. We running around the church, but that's flesh. Where's the power? Where is the power of God? Where's the power? God's not going to move in that. Just like he told Israel, he said, if you don't get this right, I will not be among you anymore. And Israel was the apple of God's eye. He told them. He told them, you got to get this right. He let them know the reason you lost this battle is because of sexual sin in the camp. When sin is in the camp, God is not in the camp. You're on your own, you? Glory be to God. Let's look at some sexual sins. I I, want to disclose what a few of these sexual sins are. Fornication, masturbation, sodomy, which includes anal and oral sex, bestiality, lesbianism, perversion, harlotry, prostitution, idolatry, rebellion, and the spirit of seduction. God is not going to operate in mixture. When we try to bring mixture into the church, he said, be ye holy, for I am holy. God only operates in purity. When we try to bring mixture in, glory be to God. You can't mix the holy with the profane. 
It's like trying to mix oil and water. Sin will pollute the land. Let's look at Second Chronicles 7 and 14. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. And what does it say? It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. So God is talking to the church. He's not talking to sinners. Sinners will do what sinners will do. They're going to sin. He said, my people, which is the body of Christ, the called out assembly of God, the ecclesia, the congregation of the righteous, he said, if my people, which are called by my name, we are called Christians because of Christ. If we will humble ourselves and do what? Pray. So many times we try to do like Achan. We want to hide, hide our sin from God. But the Bible says, humble ourselves and pray. My faith. Don't let God have to come looking for you. You go to God and turn from their wicked ways. He says, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. You see, the first part is our part, to humble ourselves, pray, and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways. And then the Lord will hear from heaven Forgive our sins and heal our land. That's why America's in the shape she's in today. Because we won't humble ourselves. We don't want to admit that God is right and we are wrong. We don't, even Achan, even Achan said, I have sinned against the Lord. I have transgressed against the Lord. He admitted it. He admitted it. He admitted that he had sinned against God. David, when he repented of the sin of adultery, committing adultery and murder with Bathsheba, having a husband killed, he said, against thee and thee only have I sinned but he admitted it. We have to admit it. We have to come clean with God. Don't pretend that you haven't done anything. Don't pretend that there's, a, there's not a pink elephant in the room. We got we to gotta admit it. Maybe you need to go to your pastor. Maybe you need to say, Pastor, there's sin in this church. There's sin in this church. I didn't say sinners, but sin in this church. Known leaders, leaders, 
who are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the church in sin, leading other people astray. And this is why so many young people don't want to come to church, because they know something about deacon so-and-so and sister so-and-so. They say, oh, I know him. Bringing reproach upon the name of the Lord. Your sins cause people to think no one is really saved. It's, just, it's all just a big joke or a game. It's not. Salvation is eternal. It is my prayer that I will never bring reproach upon the name of the Lord. That is my prayer. I never want God to be made ashamed for saving me. That would break my heart. The Bible tells us, James 1 and 14 and 15, I'm going to go there and read this, and then I will um, conclude in a moment. James 1, I'm going to start with verse 12 and 13. It says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's it right there, Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. Glory be to God in the highest. You see, Jesus has already made a way of escape. You might be in sexual sin tonight that's listening to me, but you don't have to stay there. You might be struggling in your... Ah, you might be struggling in your flesh You don't have to stay there. You may feel so defeated tonight because you're saying, I'm the person that she's talking about. I don't even know you. You might be the pink elephant in the room. But God is saying, I have already sent my son Jesus to make a way of escape for you. You can come out of this. Because the body of Christ is the holy bride of Jesus Christ. And when he comes back, he's coming back for a bride whose garment has been washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb. We cannot continue in sin. We cannot. I want to go to the book of Revelation very quickly and read to you what the Lord says about overcoming. You see, there are things in life we, we, we have to deal with, but, but we have power 
We have the power of the Holy Ghost. We have the blood of the Lamb. And we have the word of God to overcome these things. And this is what the scripture says. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. That's Revelation 2 and 7. Revelation 2 and 11. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God wants us to overcome these things. And how do we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Revelation 2 and 26. He that overcometh and keepeth my work unto the end, to them will I give power over the nation. Glory be to God. Revelation 3. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Glory be to God. And Revelation 3 and 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of God, which is in New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. So God has given us overcoming power. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. We overcome through repentance, confession and repentance. We overcome through the word of God. The more you feast on this word, the stronger you're going to be over temptation. the stronger you're going to be over temptation. You'll have power. we will overcome by the Holy Spirit. He give us power, power to trade on serpents and scorpions, power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm us. We don't have to just wallow in sin. You can come out of it. You can come out of sin. You must confess that you are in sin. Repent of the sin and then ask God to deliver you. God is still delivering. He is still delivering his people. Let's look at Luke 4 and 18. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what Jesus came to do. But he told us 
in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 16, he told us, he said, he that believeth on him, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. There it is. We've got power to overcome this stuff. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you power, power to tread on serpents and scorpions, power over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. Glory be to God. We got power, y'all. That's why we can't tolerate the pink elephant in the room. Because we will not see a manifestation or a demonstration of the power of God in our worship services. You singing, 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 and you wonder why ain't nothing happening. Why the power of God ain't falling in the church? Why the people not laying prostrate before the Lord? Because the presence of God is so strong. Why? Because there's no life. Where there's no spirit, there's no life. Jesus said in John 6 and 63, my word is spirit and life. Dead churches, everything that's dead need to be in the cemetery. We need the power of God. So we can't afford, we can't afford to leave a little leaven in the church. We can't afford to walk around and pretend we don't see this pink elephant in the room. We have got to get sexual sin out of the church. It has no place in the church. It corrupts us. It contaminates us. And it will impact us. It will affect everybody. One person sins, and it impacted his whole family. We can't play with this thing. The Bible says, be not ignorant of Satan's devices, how he operates. Sin in the church is a cancer among us. And hey, cut out of our shot And the Holy Spirit must do surgery to cut it out. Got to be purged out. This is why Paul says that he had judged a young man that had already done this. Paul said, I judged him as if I was already present. He said, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Because a little leaven, leaven, the whole lump. And Paul judged it and said, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. Even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. 
And what Paul meant by that is that Jesus is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which Paul was talking about, he said that was uh, accompanied the Passover. And it involved a period of seven days during which no leaven was to be found in the homes of the Israelites. And do you know the Jews still keep that to this day? During the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they go seven days, and they do not, they get rid of all the leaven in their house. Why? Because it symbolizes the holy life taken of the Paschal Lamb. Leaven symbolizes sin. And Paul said, let it not be once named among us. We got to get this thing right. We got to get the pink elephant that everybody sees in the church. We got to get it out. I remember the emperor who has no clothes. I remember that story as a, as I was a little girl, and it was one of uh, the fables. And it said this emperor had uh, this seamstress. And he told his seamstress to make him this outfit. And it was for his coronation. And it was supposed to be something so spectacular that there was nothing in the entire world like it. So the seamstress said he could do it. And uh, the emperor checked on him a little while. And, you know, to see how was he coming. And the seamstress was really baffled. He had no earthly idea what to create for this emperor. So every time the emperor came to check on him to see how he was doing, oh, he said, oh, it's coming along fine. It's coming along. Oh, it's going to be spectacular. Oh, it's going to be great. Oh, everyone will marvel. You see, that was flattering. He said, there's nothing like it in the whole kingdom. Emperor, that's what he wanted to hear. So he told him what he wanted to hear. And then when the day came for him to put this uh, robe on, the emperor came to get it. And uh, the seamstress handed him absolutely nothing. He didn't have anything ready. But he was such a pretender, he told, and and the emperor was so vain, he told the emperor, here it is, and told him to put it on. Now, the emperor, no, he didn't see anything, but this man, he was scared for his life, so he told him, oh, it's spectacular. Everyone's going to marvel. There's nothing in the world like it. And the emperor didn't have on a stitch of clothes. So he talked the emperor into going to his coronation in this so-called fictitious robe that wasn't even there. And the emperor was so full of pride and vanity that he went along with the seamstress. And when they had the parade for his coronation, 
everybody was oohing and aahing and telling him he looked so wonderful and how adorable and, oh, how amazing this robe was. And there was one little boy. He yelled out, the emperor has no clothes on. And the parade came to a screeching halt. This one kid had the courage to speak the truth. The emperor was stark naked. Everybody else was deceiving the emperor. But this little boy, I guess he didn't have anything to lose. Plus, children call it the way they see it, told him. He got no clothes on. And immediately the emperor was embarrassed. Well, of course, he went back to the centuries, and he wanted to know why did he deceive him. The man was scared for his life. But this one little kid, and it was amazing how everybody in the whole town went along with this thinking. But this one little kid, he was the only one that was telling the truth. And he, I don't even think he meant to do it. He just said the emperor has no clothes on. Kids call it the way they see it. And I've forgotten how the story ended, but my point is, is that there is a pink elephant in the room. Sexual sin is in the church. And everybody has their head in the sand pretending that they don't see it. I pray that God will raise up somebody with childlike boldness who will just say the emperor has on no clothes. Because children will call an ace an ace and a spade a spade. I pray that the church would realize that we're not going to win any battles if God ain't with us. And God is not going to be with us if we are in sin, any kind of sin, but especially sexual sin. And I pray that the church would do what it needs to do. If you need to excommunicate somebody, then so be it. Turn their soul over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And that doesn't mean kill them. That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If we ever want to see the power of God come back into the house of God, we got to clean up the house of God. Get everything out of the house of God that doesn't belong here. And the number one thing is sin. Sin cannot be in the camp. You know, even in the Old Testament, when they did a sacrifice, they always had the priest to lay hands upon the scapegoat, which represented the sins of the people. And they sent the scapegoat out of the camp. 
that was symbolic of sin going out of the camp. God is holy. He is pure and he is righteous. I'm going to read Psalm 51 to you tonight before we close. If you are in any type of sin and you're struggling with it and you want to come clean tonight, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to get your Bible. I'll be reading from the King James Version. And I want you to repent in Jesus' name. This is the prayer for cleansing. This is the prayer that David prayed when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had sinned with the sheep. And he wrote the 51st Psalm when the prophets confronted him. He said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my trance, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge, I confess that I, my transgression and my sin is ever before thee. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou might be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaping in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. You see, this can't happen until we come clean with God. Glory be to God. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. That's repentance. When you are broken over your sins, when you are broken over the sins in the church, when you are broken over the sins in our nation, oh God, Thou will not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then 
shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. I pray that you have been blessed tonight by tonight's message, the pink elephant in the room. I pray that if you are in sin, in any type of sin, but especially that you will come clean with God and you will repent tonight. You will acknowledge your sin. You will confess your sin and repent of your sins tonight. And if you don't know what to say to God, I encourage you to pray Psalm 51. But let us no longer continue to ignore the pink elephant that's in the room. May God bless you. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor. Thank you, our, thank you for allowing me to be with you tonight. This is Pastor Janet Taylor coming to you live from Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry International. Our web address is www.wallsoffiredeliveranceminn.com. You can reach us by email at jet245 at msn.com. You can send a donation if this ministry is blessing you. You can send an offering by Zelle or by PayPal using the email address jet245 at msn.com. I encourage you to listen to us on Monday through Saturday. Come and join us for prayer for uh, the sweet hour of prayer, Monday through Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, and on Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We pray for one hour. Our phone number is 425-436-6333, and the access code is 716-5050, followed by the pound sign. I pray that you have been blessed tonight. Glory be to God by this ministry. Again, I thank you for joining us. We love you here at Walls of Fire. Let us hear from you. Send us an email letting us know. It's jet245 at msn.com. Let us know that you're being blessed. Or if you want to send a donation, you can send it through Zelle or PayPal using the email address that I just gave you. Also, if you want to join us for the sweet hour of prayer, the times are Monday through Saturday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Sunday at 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The phone number is 425-436-6333. The code is 716-5050. If you are in a different time zone, you will have to adjust your time accordingly in order to join us on the prayer line. 
because we are in Eastern Standard Time. May God bless you richly in Jesus' name. Amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.